It's the Perry and Shauna podcast on the real life journey with you, reminding you that you are Abba's beloved child and that Jesus has called you into his massive mission to heal the world. So I was reflecting on this race that I got to watch my son run. And I just got to let you know, I've got lots of runners in the family. All of the kids ran cross country at some point and track at some point. And two of the kids ran at the collegiate level. But so lots of races under my belt. The cross country was a big deal when my kids were all in school, middle school, high school. And if you've never been to a cross country meet to watch it happen, you don't just like grab a lawn chair and park and sit or sit in the bleachers and watch this happen. You actually, you know, position yourself strategically at different places in the race to be able to cheer the runners on. And and then once they go past you, you run to the next place and cheer them on. And then you run to the next place and you cheer them on. And you might be able to hit them like three, four different times on the trail. You get a workout is yeah. what you're saying. It's legit. Well, at this particular race, um, they my son ran for Indiana Wesleyan University. He was on the men's cross-country team, and so a lot of their races were far away from home. But this happened to be in Grand Rapids, and we were there, my husband, myself, my mother-in-law, and my father-in-law watching Drayson run. And we did what we do, at you know, caught him at all the different locations. We got to the finish line, and we were waiting to cheer him on as he came in. And runners were flooding in, you know, the first, the second, the eighth, the tenth, the fiftieth, the sixtieth, the seventieth. You know, runners are just coming. Big collegiate race. And we waited. There was a big, long pause for a long time. And we waited and we waited and we waited. And eventually we saw the gator coming and we saw my son. And the gator was right behind my son. What that means, if you don't know, if you've never been to a race, is the gator follows the last runner Mm -hmm. in. And as he started to come through the chute, we were cheering him on. We were yelling. Other, you have to understand at this point, other fans had like, you know, the, the athletes had put their warm ups back on. They'd maybe done their cool down run, you know, had a snack. We're watching our son finish the race and we're cheering with all we had. I have never been more proud of my son than I was at that moment. You're thinking, Shauna, he was dead last. <laughs> Why were you so proud of him? I'm so proud of him because I know his story and I walked with him through his story. Because if you go back a couple of years from this race, Drayson was diagnosed with a condition that required a lot of medicines, a lot of doctor's appointments, a complete change in lifestyle, in diet. Um, There were hospitalizations involved and blood transfusions. And it was a journey to, to get from him being a young, healthy athlete, college athlete, to walking through all of that for two years to being back on the course again, running. So, yeah, I'm going to get a little emotional telling the story, but as his mom, I'd walked through that full two years with him. So to see him now get back on the course and to run a race and to finish the race, we were cheering him on Mm. so hard. (laughs) The God who loves you, has been with you every step of your journey. He knows what you've been through. He knows he knows that, you know, there were moments you weren't even taking steps on the journey. He is cheering you on every step of the way. There were times when you thought, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I can't even imagine myself being back in the race again. God has been with you every step of the way. And man, he's so proud of you. He's a proud dad and he's cheering you on. 
And we need to hear that encouragement from our brothers, our sisters, the people we're journeying with, because God wants to cheer us on through people. Mm. And this year, you know, I got some I got some affirmation about the music I do from somebody who, you know, I I see as really important when it comes to music. Yeah. And it really messed with me because I realized I was wanting that affirmation for my whole life. I was I was going after that affirmation, you know, from somebody on the inside who said, "Hey, mm-hmm. what you have done is really really good." And so I wrestled with that because it showed me how that's an idol in my heart. But I was talking with my friend Joe uh, about a week ago. We had dinner, and I told him that story because I've still kind of been stuck there. And he said, you needed to hear that. Mm. You needed that affirmation. What you need to realize is that it wasn't coming from that guy. Wow. It was coming from Jesus. Yeah. And so just a complete paradigm shift that I can receive affirmation for things I do well. I just need to know they're coming right from the Lord, Mm -hmm. who's the one who is my identity. Yeah, that is so good. He's cheering us on. He's watching and he's cheering us on. And he does. He uses you and me to be able to speak those words to other people to cheer them on. So if you feel like you're coming in dead last right now, if it feels like everybody else seems to have moved on and you're just still trying to take one step in front of the other and and make it (laughs) and you're not sure you're going to finish the race, you can know wholeheartedly this morning that you have a God who loves you. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep running. He's cheering you on. He's a proud dad. He sees what you've been through. He sees you running your race, and he is celebrating you right now. Romans 5 says, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. So do not give up, my friend. Press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called you heavenward in Christ Jesus. Your heart, my heart, is like the Garden of Eden. Eden is where God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. That's where God lived. But now God lives in me and you. He lives by his spirit in my heart of hearts, in your heart of hearts. So if my heart is like the Garden of Eden, it makes Proverbs 4.23 even more powerful. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart. Mm. Back to Eden. God had said to Adam and Eve, partner with me to bring the garden to the world. And for the garden to come to the world, Adam and Eve needed to push evil out of the garden. They needed to push the serpent out. But they failed to protect the garden. They failed to protect their hearts. And the world went dark. But that wasn't the end. As you know, the light of the world has come and filled us with light so that he can pour the living water that he has poured into us through us to the world. But if I don't guard my heart, if I let my heart be polluted by the world and by my selfish desires, and if I keep on giving in to the temptations of the enemy, living water won't pour through me Mm. to give life to my world because the pollution will end up killing me and killing the people around me. So maybe you're thinking, Man, this is bad news because I've failed. I've 
not guarded my heart. And I just want to encourage you with this. I want to challenge you, of course, as I have, but encourage you. Look to the one who did this perfectly. Jesus didn't let any evil take root in his heart. And he died for the evil that we've allowed in. Mm. And he gives us this promise. If we admit our sins, simply come clean about them. He won't let us down. He'll be true to himself. He'll forgive our sins and purify us from all wrongdoing. That's the message version. I love it. From 1 John 1, 9. What I'm hearing you say is that part of guarding your heart is coming clean. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're not going to get it perfectly. Every day we're going to, you know, get our feet dirty, Mm -hmm. so to speak. So keep short accounts with the Lord. (laughs) You know what I mean? I've got a practice of, I do the Lectio 365 devotional in the morning and again in the evening. And part of the evening prayer, there's different aspects to it. This is not the whole thing. It's just one piece of it is to ask the Lord, you know, can you show me where I sinned against you today? Mm Mm-hmm. And then just having an honest conversation with him, like, I was prideful in this moment or in this conversation or whatever the case may be, whatever it is you need to apologize for, acknowledge it for what it is, apologize for it, and then receive his forgiveness that he offers us. And and the what that does in being able to just go to sleep at night and just, that's not on my mind, that's not on my heart anymore. It's kind of like, it's a part of the guarding your heart process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... This is an app, and it's got music behind it. And so he says, Lord, you know, if I've sinned against you in any way today, I take these moments to to confess them to you. Mm-hmm. And the music's playing. It gives you time to confess. Mm-hmm. I never have enough time. I know. <laughs> we need more music. We need more space there. But it is. It's one of the ways. I mean, relationally, one to another, this, this isn't a big stretch to understand that this is how we would be in relationship with the Lord because this is necessary in our relationships with one another as well, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when we've done something against somebody else, maybe we feel bad about it. Maybe we just want it to go away. Maybe we want the other person to just give us grace and move on. But <laughs> the the relationally, the best thing is to own what we've done. Yeah. Yeah, and talk face-to-face about it. Mm-hmm. We get a do-over. That's the good news. We get a do-over every day. The evil we've let in can be washed away when we simply come clean. God's mercies are brand new today. And the power of the Holy Spirit to help us guard our hearts, because we need to do that, is brand new today. And if we guard our hearts today, we're going to bring life to our world. So Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, above all else, Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. When Bryn was about four years old, I remember we were watching the Winter Olympics and she was playing with some toys on the floor and she stopped and she started to watch the television with us and we're just watching this, you know, these skiers just do these incredible flips and I mean, just this amazing stuff. Right. And, uh, I think it was Dan that asked her like, what do you think of that brand? And she goes real serious staring at the television. If he can do it, I can do it. Look at that. She's a firstborn. <laughs> she is a yeah. firstborn. Yeah. But there is something to seeing something unfold in front of you that yeah. kind of births something in you that, man, if it could happen for him, if he yeah. could do it, then maybe I could do it too. 
Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's the power of telling our testimony of what God has done for us. When we hear somebody else unfold their story, they talk about the hardship that they went through. They talk about the faithfulness of God. They talk about miracles they experienced. They talk about how God sustained them and saw them through the dark seasons that as we walk through our own brokenness, our own need for healing, our need for, you know, the faithfulness of God and, and miracles that we go, man, if God would do that for him, if God would do that for her, then maybe God would do that for me too. Mm-hmm. And so it just, just mathematically, how many more seeds of hope would be planted in hearts of people if we told our story of what God has done for us? You have a story to tell. You have met with the God of the universe. He's loved you. He's rescued you. He walks with you every step of every day. And you have a story to tell. Let's be ready to tell the world who he is today. I believe it's going to make a difference for someone. It's going to spread seeds of hope. When I think of someone successful in America, I think of Elon Musk. He's the brilliance behind Tesla and SpaceX with electric cars, space missions, and cutting-edge tech. He's pretty much breaking the mold of what success looks like in 21st century America. Power, wealth, fame, brilliance, intelligence. An equivalent icon of success in ancient Israel was the military commander Naaman. He wasn't even an Israelite. He was the commander of the Syrian army. He was wealthy, famous, and powerful. Kids back in the day probably pretended to be like him. He probably had his own sandal line. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. The big N. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But this successful man had leprosy, a disease that would take his life. It just was, how long was he going to live? A young Israelite girl who'd been captured in a raid was a slave in his house. And she told him there was a prophet in Israel who could heal him. So Naaman went to the king of Israel with a letter from his king saying, heal my commander or else. Well, the king of Israel was not a godly man. He didn't have the power to heal. But the Hebrew prophet Elisha heard about it. And he said, send him to me. Send him over. Except when Naaman came to Elisha's house, Elisha sent out his servant to this really proud man. Elisha came in his shining armor. I mean, Naaman came in his shining armor with his entourage, and he gets the servant of the prophet. And the servant says, go and wash yourself in the Jordan seven times, and you'll be cleansed. Proud Naaman was ticked off. His massive ego had been stepped on. He wanted to be told something like, go defeat the Egyptian army and you'll be healed. Right. But instead, he's told to humble himself and wash in the dirty Jordan. And he rode away, galloped away in anger. And his servants, though, said to him, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? Which is what he wanted to do. But then they said, how much more when he says, wash and be cleansed? It's such a simple thing, you know, essentially they were saying, just, just humble yourself, you know, but saying it without getting killed. Right. So it brings him to his senses and he embarrassingly 
goes down to the River Jordan and strips off his armor. Really, he strips off his reputation, his pride, his ego, his success, his grandeur. He has to strip right down to his naked, leprous body, to who he really was, and go down into the Jordan seven times. I think Jordan means to go down. Hmm. And Naaman was cleansed, not just his body, but his heart. And he went back to Syria, a believer in the God of Israel. Such an amazing story. And so telling about our hearts, you know, about my own heart, how I resist. Mm. I resist what God wants to do in my life because, well, I'm just too proud. Right. Yeah. I mean, oftentimes the way of healing is surrender of one kind or another. And that's what that was for Naaman, right? It was surrender. It was just lay down everything that you think is, you know, makes you worthy. Mm -hmm. And let me just love you for who you are, for who you really are. Can you think of a time when you've, I'm sure you've humbled yourself and maybe it was hard, but then God just blessed you because of that? Man, given some time, I definitely could, but yeah. I don't know that yeah, I yeah, have yeah. one right off the top of my head. But yeah, it's, I, I think that there's so many. It's not that there, it's not that I can't come up with one because there isn't one, but because there's just so many. There's on the daily, I feel like I'm trying to make things happen on my own and I need to be reminded to surrender to the Lord. One of the ways I can relate with that is that I've really been led to kneel during worship. Mm. Now, I go to a, a, a church where, you know, we don't just kneel as a practice. We can kneel. We can do whatever we want. Sure. <laughs> we can do whatever we want. But you're not going to find like 50% of the people kneeling. In right. 50%. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm to the point where I don't feel embarrassed because I just I just want to worship the king. Mm -hmm. But it just sets resets my heart. You know, I struggle with pride every day. And so I've got to humble myself every day mm -hmm. to receive what God has for me. You know, the only reason the only reason that Naaman was healed is that he was willing to humble himself, to set aside his reputation and to come to God like a little child. And what might God be putting his finger on in your life right now where he's saying, if you'll just, you know, it's not a formula, but if you'll just humble yourself, maybe it's going to that, that family member that's wronged you and you're saying, I'm not going to go to them until they come to me. I don't know what it is. Whatever the Holy Spirit's putting on, if you'll surrender, the Lord will heal. On certain days, we bring in the best of the best of the best. And today we have done that for you. We're bringing in Rob West. He is the president of Kingdom Advisors. He's dedicated his professional career to working at the intersection of faith and finance. Faith and Finance Live is actually here on 89.3 Moody Radio on weekdays at 4 o'clock. You can join his show there or catch him at faithfi.com. Good morning, Rob. Good morning. It's great to be with you. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Yeah, and if you've got a question, if you've got a question for Rob, you can text us 800-968-8930, 800-968-8930. So Rob, faith, finances, and fear, they all go together. So talk about finances, fear, and the need for faith. 
Yeah, well, it's such an important topic, especially uh, right now in this season. I think there's a lot of concern out there. Folks are concerned about the economy. Most economists thinking we're going to experience a recession of some sort next year just because of this massive and rapid rise in interest rates. We've obviously got wars going on overseas. That breaks our heart. But we also know there's economic implications to that, especially if this latest conflict uh, in the Gaza Strip were to spread beyond that and Iran gets involved, and now oil would go through the roof. And what does that mean? And then we've just got kind of this lingering national debt that continues to grow, and a lot of us are concerned about that. And, you know, I think that can lead to these questions around what if. Uh, The late Larry Burkett used to say this. He would say, our anxieties usually are not related to the lack of things, but to the loss of things. And Larry would go on to explain that one of Satan's favorite tools to discourage God's people is the question, what if? Because what if questions lead right down the road to fear? I mean, maybe you've asked one of these questions recently. What if the economy gets worse? What if I don't have enough for retirement? What if I can't find an affordable car or I lose my job? You know, and the problem is that what if, you know, makes us think about what might go wrong in the future. The challenge is we can't see the future but we worry about it anyway, don't we? And that worry leads us to fear, and fear is a spiritual trap. And Mm -hmm. so it's the opposite of trust. And when we stop trusting God, you're right where the enemy wants you to be, taking your eyes off the goodness of God and focusing on your own problems or challenges instead. And so it's all about perspective, fear or trust. And obviously God's word is the antidote to that. We can dive into what scripture says, but then I think there's also some practical steps we need to take to replace fear with faith in our financial lives. How do you know, Rob, if you are operating out of, because there's good wisdom in being prepared for your future and, you know, looking through, right? There's good wisdom in that. So how do you know if you, if you, because you, do you know if you're living by fear? You know, or or yeah. what are the red flags? What are the things that can make us aware that maybe we're not operating out of faith and trust? Yeah, I mean, I think there are some symptoms, clearly. I mean, just like in our financial life, one of the symptoms that we're in debt or in bondage is the collection agency's calling, or we can't sleep at night, or, you know, we're having conflict in our marriage about money with our spouse. And I think the same is true in this area of fear. You know, are you finding yourself anxious? Are you, you know, worrying about something that's out of your control and ultimately needs to be in God's hands? Are you losing, losing sleep over it? Is it creating conflict in relationships? Relationships that are really important to you? And if so, what if we get to the root of that? Because remember, money issues are really heart issues at the end of the day. The money is just the symptom of what's going on underneath. Mm, because remember, good. Jesus said, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So let's deal with our, you know, the spiritual issues underneath. I mentioned Larry Burkett a moment ago. Larry would say that the way we handle money is often the clearest indicator into what's going on in our lives spiritually. And the reason is because it's one of the most tangible evidences of where we've placed our trust. And so if you're holding, and this I think would be another symptom, if you're holding God's money with a clenched fist because you're fearful of the future, Mm. and perhaps you need to loosen your grip on that and give, because I think giving actually breaks the power Mm. of money over our lives. So, Rob, you answer financial questions every day, all day. I'm curious, what's on people's hearts today? What kinds of questions are you answering? 
Sean, it's a great question. And, uh, you know, there's uh, several, I think, recurring themes. One is around just concern, what we've been talking about today and fear. Uh, you know, we know that the national debt is just kind of running away from us. I mean, we're about to have our largest federal expenditure being interest on our debt, even more than uh, our defense budget. And so, you know, that gets people concerned. Where is that headed? And what does that mean for our kids? And, you know, down the road, um, a lot of folks struggling with how to help adult children, uh, you know, because they're maybe out of college, maybe they've moved back home, back home, and they're just wondering, when do I jump in and help? And when might I actually um, be hindering their ability to follow the leading of the Lord and learn, you know, proper financial and spiritual disciplines in their life? Because I'm jumping in there and rescuing them financially every time they have a, a difficult spot. Um, you know, others are just wondering, how do I balance giving and paying off debt and saving for the future? And yet my expenses are through the roof and I'm just struggling to make ends meet, you know, let alone have some surplus. So, you know, just lots of really practical issues um, that we want to apply God's word in. We want to see kind of what he's doing in our financial lives, using money as a tool. But at the same time, there's a lot of folks that are just concerned. Thanks for letting Barry and Shauna walk the real-life journey with you. The content from the Barry and Shauna podcast comes from their live show, Barry and Shauna Mornings on 89.3 Moody Radio, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Reach out to us by texting 800-968-8930 and please subscribe.